You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and... What the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. Of course, we do say do your own damn research. We do say this is not financial advice. But funny enough, if we talk sports, um, I usually don't have that kind of like very general love and uh, sharing of you know giving people advice. Uh, you know, I bleed black and gold. My daughters were born into terrible towels because, you know, being born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, that's kind of what we do. And uh, I can tell you the person that has caused me the most misery uh, in my football loving uh, adulthood uh, happens to be the greatest football player of all time as well, known as Tom Brady. And I just have to put it out there. Um, this is an unexpected uh, happy week for me because I can tell you I did not expect for my Pittsburgh Steelers to beat uh, the Tom Brady led uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not sure if I have to thank Robert Kraft from having Tom Brady go to his wedding the night before. I'm not sure if I have to thank you know Giselle somewhere that whatever whatever I have to thank. I'm just thankful that my uh, Pittsburgh Steelers somehow pulled out a a victory. Although I might have wanted a uh, a better draft pick down the road, but. With that being said, you know, when I think about, you know, kind of merging my worlds and, and my passions, most people have known going all in on all things Web3 has been uh, what we've eaten, breathed, slept, uh, everything, uh, especially since November. I would say it actually started uh, around August, uh, July of last year when we pivoted away of what we were doing kind of full time focused uh, around, you know, social audio, live video, influencer marketing and really lead, uh, leaned in here to uh, Web3 and, and excited to have a, a guest today who is kind of shares that overlapping passion and doing some really cool things uh, in this space. So, uh, Drew, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Let our audience know a little bit about you, a little bit about your background and, uh, and we'll get into the, the interview. Yeah, what's up, buddy? Um, so thanks for having me today. Uh, so yeah, my background, I've been a founder in New York for the last like, you know, almost 20 years. Most recently, I was working on an AI enterprise software company doing recruitment process automation. Uh, sold that company about 18 months ago. About a, three months before I sold the company, I knew I wanted to get into venture capital next. So I started up an angelist syndicate called Red Beard Ventures Syndicate. I was in full pandemic mode. Beard was down to here, so leaned into it. Um, and uh, so we started the syndicate. The syndicate took off. I had no idea like the full potential of the syndicate and really what was possible. Um, we went from zero to 3,500 signed up LPs on our Angelist Syndicate. We did, um, you know, probably close to 150 deals in 18 months. Um, we were super, super active and one of the leading, uh, by far the leading Angelist Syndicate in Web3. Um, we deployed about 45 to 50 million in capital. So we were, you know, investors in companies like Dapper Labs, MBA Top Shot, Sandbox, uh, Wilder World, Poop, um, uh, Genies, uh, you know, LimeWire, Zed Run. You know, we were in a lot of the major um, early Web three um, companies that are building a lot of the foundation infrastructure and have kind of helped us to get where we are today. Uh, you know, then um, from there, uh, I've been a builder my whole life, so I need to like kind of keep building. That's how I learn. That's how I like. That's how I think. So, you know, my partner, Jared Augustine, and I came together. We both were New York tech founders. He sold his company to um, Thusio to Triller. Um, so they, we both sold our companies within about a month of each other or two. And we came together and we were like, what are we talking about with our friends all day in these group chats that we're all in? And it was like, 
sports, sport, uh, sports betting, fantasy sports, NFT speculation, like anything that we could like compete, like make money, like share alpha, speculate on. That's what we spent all day talking about with our friends. And we're like, there's definitely an opportunity to create like a NFT project built on these shared interests at the foundation. Um, so about a year ago, last month, we started Nights of DGen. Um, that was, uh, and you know, we sold out of our 8,888 nights. Um, a few months later, we sold out of our 4,444 steeds, and then we were off to the races there. And then six months ago, launched Redbeard Ventures Fund One. So now we have the syndicate and the fund. Uh, it's raising a $50 million fund. We've already closed, we did the first close of 25 million. We're up to, we got about 30 in commits. So we got another, we're about 60% of the way through the whole fundraise. Um, so yes, like my whole life is now Web3. It's like I'm, I'm investing in Web3. I'm building in Web3. I am introducing my portfolios to portfolio companies tonight. We've done about 15 partnerships across the portfolio a night. So yeah, I'm living, breathing it. I was investing in crypto in 2013. I got my first NFTs in 2018 on Super Rare. I remember I was giving away holiday gifts at my uh, Christmas party in like 2019, I think it was, um, uh, in my office. And I was giving away one of one Super Rare art. And everyone's like, what the hell is this? And I was like, guys, just, just hold on to it. There's something here. <laughs> so um, it was, uh, so I've been around for a minute, been around the builders for a while. And uh, I just, you know, I see the world in terms of like, we're heading towards a more global, more digital borderless society. Ultimately all roads point to the metaverse in five to 10 years. And, you know, I hope to play a role in helping us get there. Ooh, so there, I mean, there's a lot there. And I mean, beyond uh, impressive, I, you know, I think, you know, one of the things with this podcast has been great is we have a lot of people that kind of entry points are different. Uh, you know, their value props are different where they're, where they're living. You mentioned kind of like that, you know, the syndicate success early on. And, uh, and I mean, the names of the companies that you've been able to be a part of, and, you know, they're all like, I mean, many of them are the who's who of this space. I, I'm curious, you know, as you were kind of bringing that to life, what are some of the things you think were kind of like that per perfect recipe that allowed like the syndicate, those early successes, you know, with the Dapper Labs, the POAPs, the, you know, Top Shot group, um, what were some of the things that were kind of those early ahas that kind of allowed that to kind of take off like it did? Yeah. Well, well first I'd say I had three aha moments in Web3 in general. Um, I'd say my first one was super rare when I first bought my first piece of art and I felt that same powerful level of like ownership that like I couldn't wait to show people this piece of art that I own now. Um, the fact that that translated and felt the same way when I buy real art um, was really powerful. Like, oh shit, this is, this is really something here. Second was opening up an NBA, an uh, NBA top shot pack. I opened up a pack. I couldn't wait to see what I had, but then I was able to press one click and sell it instead of putting it in my attic or trying to, or having to bubble wrap it and go to a UPS to mail it to someone and put it on eBay and stuff. The fact that I could one click sell just immediately was like, okay, this is obviously the future of sports card collecting. I have a three-year-old kid when he's eight and nine, there's no way he's bringing a book of basketball cards to his friend's house. He's going to roll up with his top shot collection. There's no doubt in my mind. So um, I went hand on an NBA Top Shot, became like one of the top 50 collectors there, uh, just got in early and believed in it. And then from there, found out about ZZ Run, became early, started buying, I probably own about 100 horses. I got a lot of the early people into Zed Run, um, was a real like kind of thought leader and like advocate of the, of the project because I thought it was so exciting and such a game, such a game changer for NFTs that it really, there was the game, it was built, it, there was obvious vision towards play to earn. Um, the assets to me are, you know, I felt like I own a sports team in the metaverse in the future. 
So, um, so yeah, so those were the three. And the, and the moment that I really Zed clicked for me was watching my horse win two races in a row, all of a sudden, cause I mean, I've been to, I've been to like Belmont, I've bet on horses before, right. but it's like, you know, that horse's name for five minutes and then the race ends and you move on. In this situation, I was like, holy shit, I have an asset all of a sudden that is like someone offered me 10 grand for my horse that I paid, but I paid like 300 bucks for. And I'm like, this is wild. So I like how many people in the world get to experience true horse ownership? Very few, 0.0001. So it's like now all of a sudden there's this opportunity to understand how to own an asset like this and monetize an asset like this. And I thought that was really exciting. So those were the three major like kind of like NFT eye-opening, like this is the future moment. Then in terms of like the the syndicate and fund, well, the first deal we did was was actually um, was super rare. We did their seed and their A round because it was like where I started. That was my first NFT. I just wanted to get started there. Um, and we just started like, you know, in the beginning, it was an absolute utter grind. I didn't have any following. I had zero LPs. I had to start from zero. So like it was really, I asked someone advice on like, how do you grow these things so I could do bigger deals and more deals? And they're like, you know, it's pretty simple. <laughs> just get good deal flow and then people start to come. And like, I thought that was kind of like almost like blowing it off. But the reality is like, that was the answer. Like you get good deals and people want to be a part of quality deal flow. And that just gets around and you got to hustle and grind and make sure you're known. But the reality is like, that's what, that's what really did it. Um, we started getting into companies that like you only usually can get into through traditional major venture capital funds, but we were winning allocations, even as a small syndicate, because we were bringing something unique to the table. We brought, you know, I had nights of DJ and I had, and I had uh, a few months later, I had nights of DJ and I had this, uh, this, this accredited investor community. So like we were able to bring community to deals. And not only that, like I was getting my hands dirty in the space. So they knew that like, I could actually like, I had the pulse, like I had the pulse of the ecosystem. So like Zed run was probably probably the most competitive venture deal I've ever done personally. Um, the demand for that deal was through the roof. I just held on for dear life, but I just like, they really appreciated what I brought to the table with Zed. I helped really kind of bridge the gap for them and bring them to the U S. So, um, you know, for us, it, it just, it, that, that, you know, that was kind of the early steps for me. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I think in that, you know, practitioner, you know, this space, as much as it changes as, as dynamic as it is, right. There's part of this is like, I mean, for, for it makes sense for you know how do you how do you trust people in here right that you have to know that they have built they have been building they have been investing they have been collecting um and you know like when you were saying that ownership in like a horse right like you know as i mentioned on the opening like diehard pittsburgh steeler fan families had season tickets since the, the 1969 but like for awesome. me like my i talk about it the team like a we right it's like we what we want this weekend right and it really wasn't until nfts that there was that we feeling of ownership online, right? Like what, what else was there the, a we feeling there? You know, like I've been, uh, you know, I, my, actually my mom was here this weekend and she was like, she's like, Brian, I got a message from you an email in 1999 when you started your first fantasy league for our family. And it was literally a USA today and an Excel spreadsheet that I was taking, you know, like the stats from USA today on a Monday of what the, you know, the teams were doing, putting them into a spreadsheet and, and my first fantasy team that, you know, I'm very proud. My, my family league is still going to this day without missing, uh, you know, a beat, but like, those days, and like you mentioned, your your kids, and like in my background here, I, I collect Wheaties boxes and baseball cards. I collect, like, I collect a ton of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So like the but the idea of like selling that, like I collect a lot of stuff that I knew one day would be valuable, but I never like the idea of like selling it or putting it online was just such like a 
a cluster, right? It was like so many different moving huge, parts. Huge right? effort. Huge. Yeah. I don't think I've ever, I don't, I have so many collectibles. I don't think I've actually sold any. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think I've sold one. And, it, yeah. and the only reason I've ever sold one was it was in the background of a video. And yeah. someone made me an offer and they're like, Brian, you're coming to this event in two weeks. I want to buy that over your shoulder. I was like, I was like, oh, okay. I guess I could do that. Like, I, it was a King Griffey Jr. card that I, I had had in a, in a frame over my shoulder. And I ended up selling. I think that might literally be my only, only sell in that space. Um, so I'm curious, you know, from, you know, we hear a lot about decentralization. We hear a lot about, um, you know, kind of like the funding of projects. Of course, right now, one of the most, uh, you know, I won't even say controversy, just one of the most debated topics around business models of NFT projects, right? And the the creator royalties and a lot of things that are going on there. There's this, there's also, I think, an unknown around, you know, projects and people that are, have VC funding or that are kind of approaching this space. And there's a little bit of that, like, well, are we still creating for the creator through decentralization with, you know, getting funding, right? Or like, how does that whole world work? How are you looking at this from, you know, someone that is a project founder, someone that has the syndicate and the fund? What's the conversation from your view on like how we push this forward? Because let's face it, what worked last year is not going to be working in the future, but we do have to learn from it. And I think with your history, I think you have a, a great perspective on that. Yeah, well, it's fascinating because I'm I'm literally I literally fundraising as we speak for for both a business and a fund. So there's that, and I'm also investing. So I'm literally on all sides of the table as in real time as we speak right now. So you know, Knights is going through a fundraise right now. We should be wrapping that up soon, and then we have another. And I'm you know with the fundraise, and I'm investing in companies. So like it's just nonstop. I you know I'm involved in this stuff. Here's my here's my thoughts. One, this is startup technology companies. This is a startup. This is a new sector. There's innovation. What that means is that there's a experimentation to be had. We need to explore where we have to start to swing and we have to start experimenting with new models, new concepts, new innovations. And we have two options as, as, as builders and creators. We can, we can experiment and innovate on the consumer's dime, or we can experiment and innovate on venture capital's dime. My guess, although everyone likes to, you know, complain from the bleachers, but the reality is, is like, you want them experimenting on Venture Dime. And if Venture's Dime is going to put up the capital for them to experiment to create value for you as a consumer, well, then they need to be rewarded for the risk that they're taking with capital. It's that simple. I mean, it's the, so to me, you know, if you're a quality company, and I, and I say company, not a project, because I think there's a huge difference. There's a lot of like, projects that are created in their, you know, in the parents' bedroom that don't need venture capital. They probably shouldn't have even been able to sell for a million, sell a million dollars worth of NFTs, but it is what it is. But like, there are other projects that are really, that are becoming companies that are building really exciting things that are pushing this industry forward. And that should be resourced to go and and drive this whole space forward. And I want to find those companies as an investor and support them and, and push in, 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 in drive and paving the way for others. And I want to build one myself and, and, and with Knights. So, I mean, I'm all for venture in the space. I, I, I think it's, I think the, the experienced founders know that it's a collaboration. It's going to take, it's going to take a community to take this, to take, uh, to reach the visions that we all have for this industry. And we're all kind of in it together. Um, but like in anything else, when you have Twitter and you have Discord and everybody's got a voice, people are going to be, they're always going to find something to complain about. So you, you can't make everybody happy, but at the end of the day, we do the best we can. Yeah, you know, and I think a lot of the complaining is a little bit to know, I mean, a lot to do with the unknown, right? The unknown of so many people that did launch what would you consider a project that then realized this is much more than a project and it is a business and they've leaned forward that way, right? Where others 
feel like they've also launched a project in the same in the same vein, but they really haven't understood like the business model and right what does a, a you know business look like you know in this space. I think the other part is with early adoption tech, and this is where I've you know I've been playing for most of my career. You know, for for things to actually be groundbreaking and for to take off, they need to be set forward by a bunch of people that are willing to you know take the risk on that are pushing the limits. And let's face it, a lot of that has to that requires funding. That even though you know a lot of projects made you know their 1.9 million dollars in 24 hours last year. That that's not going to be suffice for you know true innovation in the gaming market or the metaverse metaverse space or let's yeah. face it even take advantage of the blockchain. I mean we're we're using half of one percent of what the blockchain can offer right now, like in its you know in its potential. I'm curious, you know, I, I and I just got I'm very transparent on the show. You know, I this hasn't happened. I've we've done a lot of interviews. We've had a lot of great people on the show. The more I was diving into Knights of the D-Gen, the more I kind of got this feeling like, holy shit, how did I not know about this project? Yep. So about, it really happens all the time. About two and a half hours ago, I went and snagged one uh, that uh, that I was like, you know what? Uh, even before the interview, I was like, I gotta, I just have to have one in my bag. It it aligns with a lot of, of the things that you know I'm, uh, you know, vision care about. A lot of the things that you're building. I'm mm -hmm. curious from your take of you mentioned how like you know a couple months later. I mean, congrats on almost a year now um, coming mm -hmm. up, which is very exciting. Um, as you look at, you know, and it's funny, we started the podcast November 11th, so we're we're very similar in, uh, you know, in that uh, space. And and at the time, we were trying to decide, daily podcast or we start a, a project. That was kind of where our uh, our vision went. But I'm curious, from you know, as the listens uh, of a builder, especially November, December, January, March, like where where it went from you know, roller coaster that was only going up to all of a sudden, like people had to recognize there was more things happening. What have you learned as a, a co-founder of Knights of the D-Gen that have allowed you to kind of be more, you know, in the know in all aspects of the, the venture side as well? Oh my God, a million things. I can't even tell you. I mean, uh, the overlap is daily. I mean, there, so the, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff. One, I'd say this is a very hard thing to do. Um, I want like anyone who like thinks that they could just mint a project and build and it's going to be successful is in for a rude awakening. It is really, really hard. And I think one of the hardest things are community management, setting expectations. I mean, we have like, we, I, I really am like so proud of our team because I think we execute so well, um, but it is not easy. It is a grind and it is like an everyday grind. I luckily am working on the shit that I love more than anything in the world, sports and NFTs. It's a beautiful thing for me, but like, you know, it is definitely grind. I see there's tons of things that we need from an infrastructure perspective that to enable us to better understand the community analytics, um, you know, DAO infrastructure. I mean, there's a lot. That you know needs to be that's still that's still being developed, and I helps me to identify. Hey, there's a gap in the market here. I need to you know there's a gap in the market. I really need to you know look into this space a little bit more and see if there are companies that I should be investing in to help us be able to accomplish some of the things we want to accomplish. So you know that for that for one is like one major part of it. Um, but like, you know, for me, it's also been, I've been, you know, I'm working on the DAO and the tokenomics for nights. That's my big, that's my big project. Um, and the token design, and we're working with Horizon, the same guys who launched ApeCoin Ape and GutterCats yeah. and are working on GutterCats coin. That effort has been tremendous for me. I mean, I've understood, I've gotten so deep into the token. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm my thesis for the portfolio now from venture capital is like, I want to invest in companies that understand tokenomics, understand how to create true utility around their tokens, because the power of 
a well-built token strategy and a well-built utility around the token can transform the business and the market caps can go substantially higher, exponentially higher. I mean, if you think about the simple comparison I usually make is like, think about a private company that has assets under management, you speculation, speculate public company, assets under management, speculation of traders, that makes up the market cap. In Web3, you have assets under management, speculation of traders, but then you have utility. And if that utility is driving a lot of demand on for this for this token, I mean, your market cap can go through the roof. I think the winners of, of this investment community um, is going to be uh, is going to be the people that understand how to identify the the top token teams. And now, now that, and that token team side, right? I think that's such an interesting you know aspect here, right? Because I think there's a lot of like assumptions that you know just because you could launch an NFT project doesn't mean you have the infrastructure capability or know-how to launch you know the tokenomics component of this right and we've seen i think a lot of projects like believe that they could probably add a tokenomics uh, component to their uh, NFT and we know where th where that's going or if it hasn't gone there yet um, you know for me you know i i launched a, a coin on on rally the the layer 2 um, actually before i ever even gave uh, anything about uh, NFTs to me was you know the creator coin uh, component and so you know i spent months trying to look at where does that work in this whole world of you know either layer twos or you're, you're launching you know on mainnet and and I think there's such an interesting um, subsection right where you know if anyone looks at ApeCoin and, and the, how long it took before they launched and the idea of you know you know where liquidity is coming from or how these coins are, are are being leveraged. What is something that you know for those that are out there right now that are either investing in projects that have tokenomics on the roadmap or mm -hmm. have ones that have tokenomics in play. What are some of the things people should be aware of that they can kind of wrap their head around some of this? Because I, I think tokenomics for the most part is somewhere where we are really lacking education across the space. So so maybe I could start, maybe I should probably even start with just talking a little bit more about nights for a second. Yeah, and give for you, sure. Let me, Cause that might be easier to try to put it into context rather than being like more generalistic. Yeah. So I guess first, for those who don't even know what Knights of DGen is, um, you know, Knights of DGen, it's a sports and gaming uh, Web3 community and uh, Web3 ecosystem, or however I would even say it now. Um, the way we started was we sold 8,888 Knights, then we sold 4,444 Steeds. Um, that's our IP. We said early on with the team, hey, we don't want to just be another NFT project that flips NFT after NFT after NFT. We don't think that's sustainable. We want to take more of a Disney model. It kind of we, we coined this like term, like the decentralized Disney for DJ. And we said we want to start with our IP and then and, and then and then push it into new business verticals, like so with three kind of three concepts in mind. Like, does it create new revenue and value? This new vertical does it create more content and awareness, or does it create utility, engagement, and fun for the community? And uh, that's what we did. We started with professional sports. We acquired a fan control football team, which is like I don't know if you guys are familiar with FCF, yeah. but if you're not, it's unbelievable. It's it's just an incredibly like dynamic, uh, engaging sports league where you're voting on everything. Our community is so actively involved, and you know we have a, a, a true five percent stake in the team. Ownership is actually is, is actually delegated for our community in the DAO. Um, so that's like, that's, that's one thing. Then we went into Wagme United. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's a you know group of web three, um, you know, influencers who got together, bought a soccer team out in London, uh, called Crawley town, 45 minutes outside of London, not playing so well right now, but we're just getting started. Um, but, uh, we own a, a stake in that team. We're advisors, investors, and media partners for the team. So that's our second professional sports team. We're also in talks with, um, you know, uh, another sport up and coming that everyone loves these days. We'll, I can talk about that later. Um, but I can talk about that in the future. And then, um, and, uh, from there we moved into play to earn gaming and esports Cause again, we're constantly thinking about like, what is the future of sports? 
And we believe that play to earn and esports are going to be the next major sport movement and fandom and movement of fandom. So we've acquired about nine or 10 teams now across different games like Footium and uh, Footium for soccer, finish line, uh, uh, finish, I think it's finish line for horse racing, Zed Run for horse racing, uh, VBA basketball, TRV battle. Um, yeah, we have uh, 10 different teams now. And uh, we, we have like a, our own mini gaming guild with inside of Knights of DGEN so people can use our assets, grow the value, et cetera. Um, so that, then we have a media network, KOD Media. We have about eight or nine shows, community-driven content um, that's covering either fantasy sports, sports betting, our professional teams, or our play-to-earn teams. Because we want what we believe is that there's not a one-size-fits-all level of participation. Participation comes in many different you know, shapes and sizes. And for us, it could be you're a passive investor, you know, holding NFTs and token. Maybe you're, uh, you want to play in our gaming guild. Maybe you want to build stuff in our ecosystem and be on a committee. Maybe you want to be at the governance level and join our council. Maybe you want to just be a fan, hang out in the Discord, watch games, bet on sports, watch our content in our media to, to root for our teams and call them your team. So like that's the, the way we've kind of set that stuff up. Our biggest move was, um, and you know, I haven't officially, there hasn't been an official announcement yet, but you guys probably might have heard about it. There's a certain fantasy sports platform that we are um, very close with. Yep. And, uh, that's, I guess, how I can say it for now. Um, but, um, you know, that's going to accelerate our roadmap quite a bit. So, you know, we're going to, we're leaning into investing heavily into decentralized fantasy sports. Um, we think, well, you know, we are going to be one of the leaders, and if not the leader in decentralized fantasy sports. Um, which is the foundation for, which is one of the foundational use cases for the token. So the DGEN token will be built into the entire platform. We'll be, you'll be using the token to participate in our leagues, to wait to acquire players off the waiver wire, to bid on players. And we'll be one of the first people ever to be able to compensate commissioners because we built this platform with DeFi at the foundation. So we're going to be earning yield at fixed rates for six months while your capital's tied up. So that we have a revenue. So between our revenue and the commissioner's revenue, we're going to have a real revenue stream that nobody else has because we'll, you know, we might go in a 50-50 split or who knows. We'll we'll do some kind of rev share with the with the yield earnings, um, and uh, that's a you know for every twelve team division, that's a lot of money to be making as an NFT project, which we can you know whatever that we can use that to reinvest, we can burn, we can do all different types of things. But that also eliminates a lot of token from supply. So I think that's also going to be a major driver of our token value, the utility for that. There's just a lot of exciting stuff related to that. Um, and then we also have like um, our whole, like our like what we call like the DGEN profile and identity because I'm working on the DAO and the token. So to get rewarded and get the token, there's going to be different ways you can get it. And, you know, we plan on... I'm not sure what I can say here. Um, it's always like touchy around token stuff. Yeah. But like, you know, we're going to be rewarding sports betters in some interesting ways. Uh, there's going to be announcements to come, but like we're doing some really interesting stuff with basically rewarding DGEN activities. And we want to quantify fandom, quantify participation in our network. We believe that like ownership should be distributed. We believe that your participation and the value that you contribute to the network, with it, whether it's just watching a, a YouTube video, listening to a podcast, or playing in a game, or joining a committee and building stuff, all of those are creating value to the network. It's like creating a tweet. You're adding value to Twitter. They're monetizing that tweet. So why don't we earn anything in that level? So we believe in distributed ownership. We believe in rewarding participation. So um, we're building our, like, you know, our, our kind of tokenomics and our DAO and those types of things built on those premises. I love that. And I, I love the you know, moving parts. I think the, 
the complexity for those that are listening, right? I think one of the things to to be really, right reminded is that you also had it seems a lot of these moving parts were set into motion six eight months worth of put into motion to iron out some of those details. Where you know I think for a lot of tokenomics you know plays. They, they almost want the tokenomics before they have, uh, you know, the use cases, the, the, the opportunities to leverage them. And we know, I mean, I think ApeCoin is, uh, you know, an example of they've kind of added that on very nicely afterwards in many ways. Uh, in some ways, not as nicely as probably, uh, you know, many would have thought, but, the, you know, they are, you know, they can, of, get a, they can get away with speculation. Sure. Just putting out it's a speculative token. We we can't, right. you know, we can't just put out a speculative token or nor would we want to. So like for us, that... That wasn't in the cards. We wanted to make sure that if we're launching a token, there's utility for it. Now, I will say the the thing that you mentioned earlier that I just want to I want to roll it back into is the content play, right? As a as a content creator myself, you know, mm -hmm. it is something that you know I look at projects now, and that's a high bar on what are what con what is the content strategy or how are projects approaching content when it mm -hmm. comes to you know even beyond education, right? Education is one that I think every project is missing, but but there there's also you know a play on you know communication on kind of bringing people into it. How did you guys approach content? early on because now if I look at your media entity it's a I mean it's a moving machine on its own but I think for a lot of projects they're sitting there right now with zero content right they they share Gary V's freaking MetaMask video from 19 months yeah, ago as the video they, yeah. they onboard how are you looking at content in your project and even as someone that looks at other projects with content I, I think it's a major part of our business I think that um, you know we we want to be the way we look at this is that not only are we you know building core technology and core products and experiences but we also want to be an on-ramp for brands or people that want to get into web 3 and sports and if there's like an and if we can monetize all these different assets that we have then the, the media network is going to be one of the major drivers of that so we look at it as our media network becomes one of the major drivers of monetizing our um, this like audience that we have and you add on that we have our, we can monetize parts of our football team our soccer club our gaming assets we can monetize our fantasy products we can monetize our media shows um, so like all of this stuff now becomes part of a, of a monetization strategy that also generates more revenue for the business but also allows us to become to do cooler shit to be able to work with brands and do interesting things and push the boundaries so um, you know, I'm a, 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 to me, I look at the media network as, as multi, multi, multi-purposed one. It reinforces our message that like, we're here to share content and alpha and insights about fantasy sports betting and gaming and et cetera. So one is like, let's share the content of expertise in the areas that we're interested in because people want to do that. Second is they, um, Second is the basically that they want to um, we want we want to be able to introduce we use create more awareness more exposure to the to, to what we have going on here um, and then also use this as an opportunity to cross promote some of the things that we're working on so you know so far year one was just about building the muscle you know it was about like you know, building a foundation setting the you know we what happens with most people that find out about nights and it's we're still I think we're still the most under uh, under undervalued project out there in my opinion but like you know I, I think that people when they find out about nights they're like holy shit this is pretty sticky there's so much stuff to do yep. like if you go to the discord i mean it's it's popping like yep. all the time because we're all talking about you know monday night we're talking about betting in real time now it's basketball betting then it's thursday night we have amas with football players on mondays and thursdays on saturday mornings we have a college football expert come in to talk about sports betting and college football sunday we have an hour show with our 
with an AMA in Discord. And these are token-gated channels, so it's rewards to our community to talk about football, NFL betting, and then NFL fantasy. And then our UFC fight night guys that have a show, I'm eating off those guys. We're all eating. Like, I made a 1000 bucks last week just following their bets. I bet on one of the dudes who I thought was a dude and actually was a woman. Never even heard of her. I just blind bet following them crushing because these guys are really good at what they do so you know we're all having a blast just like following and participating and bet- debating and betting and all the stuff and fantasy and who we moving and switching players um we have a fantasy league for our whole community that has 240 teams in it of, mm-hmm. of divisions of 12 so then we're all competing in this fan this mega fantasy league so we just have a lot going on that we can that we just have fun with and then like and then like they all kind of see the big picture and the vision of what we're trying to accomplish yeah, you know, and I, I love that. You know, UFC was my past client for for many years, and I've been you know loved working with them, and I'm you know a big fan of that side of it. And I will say, you know, I joined uh, when I joined your Discord. I I really loved. You know, you mentioned this earlier, right? I think for a lot of people, the idea of you don't have to do everything for everyone, right? There is like you can choose what, yeah. how much, or how little that you participate in a project like this. But I also say like. The, I look at projects that are as complex as yours as one of the the, the issues, let's just put it as an issue, is sure. that other projects that are complex do a really crappy job of onboarding new people or really communicating with people. And, and I say that as a holder of, of multiple complex projects that I've talked about on this project, but I, I loved what you were, what you guys are bringing to the table. I will also say um, when I was doing the research, especially last week, uh, I messaged Drew on my team and I was like, I was like, what's the floor on, and, and I was out with my daughters, and I was like, what's the floor on Knights of Degen? And he replied back with the floor, and I said, no, what's the floor? Like, I didn't believe that the floor was where it was at. I, 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 I know, I, I can't <laughs> believe it. It's like, we just haven't had our viral moments yet. Listen, there's less than 2% listed. It's not, we've never, we've never been like, I care about it because I care about the floor because I think it creates narrative. And I think we are a blue chip, a blue chip project that's not recognized as a blue chip project yet because our price doesn't justify it. When our price justifies it, we will be considered a blue chip project and you can put us up against any one of them. And I believe we'll out execute. But the reality is like the narrative price is the narrative and we got to wait till we get there. But the cool thing is, is that like, I see a lot of other projects, they mint, they go viral, they become 10, 20 floors, they've done nothing yet, but they're already there. Then they got to figure out what their their community wants. Yep. And that's not an easy thing to start at the top and try to build, build for a community that you have no relationship with. The reality is we've all grinded together for a year. We've been building this shit with our community, like in the community, building with us. They're working. We have... We have committees on every initiative I've mentioned. We have an eight-person council that was elected by the community. We have an eight-person committee on fan control football. We have an eight-person committee on Wagner United Soccer. We have an eight-person committee on our gaming guild. We have an eight-person committee on our, uh, you know, our beer brand that we were that we launched, a uh, Gen Hayes. Anything that we're doing, the community is involved in building it with us, so they get it. They're part of the team. I, I love that, and I, you know, and I will say, you know, for anyone that's out there listening too, right? I think. I think part of this is what you said, right? Like the, the the blue chip component of like when you have already mooned and you're now trying to build from there. I mean, the 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 downward slope is scary, right? I think the building the other way and the hockey curve is ahead. I think is a is a you know a completely different model. It's why I'm bullish on projects that are are slow burns, right? Projects that take even a while to mint out. They are learning as they go. When they mint out, they've minted out and understand their community versus holy shit, we minted out. Who the hell are these people that hold our our NFTs? And I think that is you know a lot of that that flipped the script. Um, one of the questions that I got from one of the people that are watching live, they just sent me a, a text, uh, which I guess is kind of an advantage of someone that's watching live, was, you know, what did your team look like 
launch to where your team is now 11 months later as far as uh, Knights of the DGEM? Yes, we launched with eight founding team members, um, super complimentary, super strong team. You know, we had an amazing CTO as our, our third person that was like the three of me, Jared and Peter starting to cover the first three together. Um, then uh, we brought in Blake Jamison um, and Mike O'Day to work on the art and creatives. Um, Blake was like voted number one sports artist of the year from Beckett. I know, Jackson. I know Blake very well from that, from, yeah. from that world as well. Yeah, Blake's my guy, Jack Settleman. We call him like our Gen Z sports whisperer. He's got like a million Snapchat followers. He's big in like the fantasy sports world. He's part of our team. Um, Clay has been our communicate head of communications. You know, he was on, he's been heavily involved in Top Shot and PR, et cetera. Brendan is on working on the BD side of things. He was a, he's a head of partnerships or one of the senior partnerships guys at Pinterest. So we just have like a really strong team foundation foundationally. The first like couple full-time hires we made were all community oriented and content oriented. So, you know, everyone knows like Jigaman Porto, he runs our KOD media network. Um, so now we're about 12 people that are like full, either founders or full-time employees. And then about 95 people in the Slack working on different projects and initiatives. And then post fundraise and the token, that's going to very much evolve. We have a pretty regressive hiring plan. You know, will we finish fundraising in the next 30 days, like maybe even sooner. So like our fundraising is going to be done. We plan to have a really aggressive hiring plan for like end of this, like end of Q4, early Q1. And then, um, you know, then our, then our token becomes the other major polite way of how we can can reward and compensate participation in the network. And um, for us, that's the major thing. Like I believe we could become a platform and an ecosystem that enables people who are passionate about sports and web three to come in and be able to go work and earn in this industry because of what, of the foundation we're building. And if that becomes the case, I think that's fucking powerful. That's like a really powerful North star. So now we got to go build that foundation. Love that. I love that take. Um, you know, as we kind of pull this together, you know, one of the things that, that I've enjoyed, you know, your, your take and your view on kind of like the metaverse conversation, right? Because there's a lot of people that don't really look at where we're at as like understanding like where we currently at, right? Like I'm sitting at dinner, uh, we, we went to Buffalo Wild Wings, uh, you know, Sunday night because, you know, took my kids to the pumpkin patch. They knew that daddy wanted to go watch some football. So we, we, we were sitting there and it was funny because my daughters were all three like on their devices and, and two of them were playing Roblox, you know, kind of laughing, you know, amongst themselves. Another one was my, my oldest is like trying to better understand fantasy sports, which at 12 years old, uh, I'm, I'm like, watch out world, because my, if my 12-year-old is, is wicked smart and uh, she's dialed into sports. So, but I was laughing because, you know, I, I was watching like being judged by many that were around. And my mom was with me who was like, if you would ask my mom three years ago of her like looking at me as a dad in that realm, she would have been like kind of questioning it. But instead it was looked at as like, wow, your kids are really you know, dialed in, in the know. They're also really, you know, open to all experiences, digital and IRL. I, mm -hmm. For those that are listening that, you know, where this all sounds great, it sounds a little overwhelming, but like even those that look at DGENs as those of us that have nothing better to do, right? We're just sitting in our phones. They're probably the same people that are scrolling Amazon, TikTok, and, and Twitter all day long. What is your take on the metaverse, like kind of adoption and like where we're going with that beyond kind of where we're at today, especially for a lot of people that kind of question this whole space. Oh, dude, like I, I, I mean, it's the North star for my venture fund. It's like what I think about all the time, like in five to 10 years from now, there's zero chance that we're sitting on a zoom call doing this interview. Like we are sitting in your office or my office in the metaverse, you know, completely immersed in either AR or VR. And we are having a much more personal 
you know, thought like interaction together. And that's the future here. There's no way if I'm still sitting in zoom here in five to 10 years and I'm on zoom all more, I'm on zoom like 24 seven, basically. If I'm still doing that in five, 10 years from now, I, I didn't do my job to push this industry forward. I believe that, you know, with Apple probably coming out with their VR device in 2023 and everyone else continuing to learn and iterate, you know, we're building a global digital society. It's going to be fully immersive and NFTs will be the assets of that society. My office is going to have the dopest art. My home is going to throw, I'm going to throw bangers from my friends that are that are all over the country, but we don't get to hang out very often. And we're going to party in the fucking metaverse. And that's going to be really cool. I'm going to go watch box matches front row. I'm going to watch sports front row. I'm going to go with friends and we're going to have this world where, listen, people think, oh, but then we're going to forget about the real world. We spend 12 hours a day on the internet and on our computers and phones, and Zoom, <laughs> you know, working and digital and everything. We're not like, it's not like we're coming up with this new, oh man, all of a sudden technology is now available and now no one's going to look at the real world anymore. Like that's just not the case. The reality is we're just making, we're going to make our digital time more uh, immersive, more personal, more interactive and a higher quality experience. And like, that is a really cool thing. So to me, the metaverse is the next foundation of new job creation, a new economy, a new asset class, a new financial industry, new gaming industry. This is all coming to a head in the metaverse. So like, I want to invest in that. I love that. And I, and I, you know, and I couldn't agree more. And I think most people look at that, you know, like you mentioned that 12 hour, right. We're 12 hour we're digitally connected, probably six hours where, 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 you know, the IRL pay, and it's not about taking over that six hours, right. It's about maximizing and reinventing that experience of the 12 hours that we do spend, you know, kind of hyperly connected, you know, and the other piece of this, I think is important for all of us to kind of look at, right. Is that, you know, with every great kind of addition to technology, it also maximizes the importance of IRL. And, you know, we're not going to all of a sudden want to do some of these things less, right? We're, it's like when we go to a sporting event where we watched, you know, I, I'm a Steelers fan, right? Steelers. Yeah. Like, I mean, my family, like where my seats are, it's my dad's kid, the kids that were my friends with my dad there. We all sit in the same section and they all like, we're all joke about our dad. Can't, can't replace that. No, can't at all. But the sad no, thing is like, that's not, and we want to, I actually, like we talk about with nights, we want to incentivize and reward that level of fandom. Yep. Like to me, that's part of quantifying fandom. Like nights, like we, we, I think we throw the best uh, NFT NYC party every year. It is an absolute utter banger. It's just a blast. And then we also throw events at the Super Bowl, events at Mar. We threw Vegas, March Madness in Vegas. We got all the nights together. We oh, nice. Vegas. So like we just like we threw parties at Consensus. We threw parties like so. If there's either NFT events going on or big sporting events going on, we try to throw in real life events because we actually want to hang out and have some fun and and do what we do. So I'm a huge believer in in real life, but I am also a huge believer that I don't want to be on Zoom in five to ten years. Yeah, and I also like you know when you are there, right? Like for me, like I have to go like reconnect with these people for the one game a year that we're all there at the Steelers game versus, you know, imagine if I was watching the whole season there with them in that metaverse. And experience, that's what, right? that's the difference. That is. Like my, my friends are moving to Miami. I have friends that are in, in Australia now. I have friends all over the place. Like yep. the, the, because of this work from home and the pandemic, it's accelerated the need for a global digital society. And it's, it's accelerated the need for a metaverse because like Zoom hangouts were fun for the first fucking two weeks of, of pandemic. And then it just became totally lame. Yep. So like, how are you going to build more intimate relationships? Zoom calls when they're scheduled are these formal 30-minute windows with, out with the need to have an agenda. And there is no such thing as an, an have you like, is there ever a, a, a Zoom meeting without an agenda at this point? No. 
So it's like, then how do you have any kind of spontaneity? How do you have any kind of, of interesting thing that happened to, did anybody ever say like, oh, this interesting thing happened today on Zoom? Never. I've never been like, oh, you better, you're not going to believe what happened to me last night on Zoom. Yeah. Never, ever, ever, as I've ever, no, I've never heard it. So like, that's ridiculous. How are we going to party on Zoom? Yeah. So like, I believe that that's just not the future for us. And I think for anyone that's listening to this right now, and it uh, it sounds foreign, I just I just ask you to kind of experiment it with with, with it once or twice, right? Like very first all hands, uh, we did a, a town hall in spatial, and I will just tell you, I I message a team afterwards. It's like I don't ever want to do an all hands that's not in like a spatial experience ever again. And it transformed like even my you know like I'm I do a podcast every day. I host four Twitter Spaces a week. The last thing I'm like, oh, let me do another like AMA type style uh, experience, but that immersive, you know, like opportunity, right? And we're right at that, you know, that cusp. I know uh, one of my best friends, Kathy Hackle, who is known, you know, mother of the the metaverse and who just launched something uh, with Walmart. And I, I'll tell you, like, even the way we transact or buy in the metaverse is going to change uh, a lot of these buying behaviors. So I love that you kind of went there. You know, I really enjoy your your take, your experience on this whole piece. Uh, for those that are listening, you know, I'll, we'll share notes uh, in the show notes, uh, links to a lot of the things that you have going on, a lot of the content. I think content um, is great. What are, uh, you know, as we kind of wrap this, what is anything that we left off? Anything you want to leave uh, the audience? Yeah, with? I mean, if you're, if you want to get like, listen, this is a space where the name of the game is participate. That's like, and this is like, to me, the cool, one of the coolest things about this whole industry and what's happening in this whole world is like, it's funny because I, I ran a recruiting technology company before, but I think a lot about this is like, we're going from this, this like create a resume, submit the resume, interview, get hired, then work to work, get hired, work, earn. You're sorry, it's like that last end is like earn at the end of all those steps, and you finally earn. Here it's work, work, earn. And that is like, so to me, it's a lot about just getting your hands dirty. So like if it's an NFT community, if it's Knights or another NFT community, get involved. Like I, I run an Angelist syndicate. There's 3,500 people in there. If you want to start building a venture capital portfolio, you could write as minimal as $1,000 checks into a lot of these crazy startups and build yourself equity in companies. Like this is now accessible. You don't just have to be a VC to be an investor in the seed round of Zed. That's some powerful shit. So like, go to, get out there, get involved, participate, get your hands dirty. Um, and uh, that would be my advice here because that's how you're going to, that's how you're going to really separate yourself in the space and set yourself up for the future. Could not agree more. And, you know, I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing that, you know, I'm glad we were able to, you know, have this conversation here uh, as we kind of wrap into the end of our, our season one, right? Because I think for a lot of our community that have been on this journey every single day, right? A lot of this is, you know, learning, adoption, roll with the punches, adapt to what's new and possible. And I think, you know, it's exciting to see that there are so many other things that are, are kind of allow us to participate. So for those that are listening, right, participation, you know, is definitely not only the name of the game, but I think for us to truly invent to create you have to collect first you have to invest first you have to participate first and and I'll, and I'll say like for me when people ask me what am I most excited about at the end of season one and and you know daily podcasts I will never do again in the in my lifetime I will <laughs> mark, mark that down as a as a That's chaos yeah it's it's something I would never do again but the funny part about it is that I've told people it's actually I want to be a, an nft holder again right because I've been buying an NFT every day for our collection and then the podcast. And when I jumped into your Discord, it was so funny because I was like, like all these different you know sections unlocked. And I was clicking, you know, going through choosing yeah. my roles. And I was like, wait, these are my people. Wait, these are my people. And like yeah. 
for me that anyone that's listening, right, you don't have to be a part of 300 projects. You don't even have to be a part of, you know, three, right? You can really pick and choose. I'm and only, I only spend time in Knights of DJ and Discord. That's the only one. I'm, I'm invested in many, right? Like 1,000 NFTs, but my community is the Knights one because that's where I, that's where I want to talk about stuff that's beyond NFTs. Wait, we can talk about stuff beyond NFT. Oh, oh man, yeah, I, exactly. I'm excited to play in that arena. So, but, I, I, but honestly, that's a competitive advantage we have. Like, board ape has to be cool for the rest of their life. Yep. And then, and as a as a community continues to grow in scale, and a club grows in scales, it's not easy to be cool with nights. Like, we just want to go in there and talk about sports the next day. There's always something going on. We don't have to do something to reinvent the wheel to be cool. Sports are cool. Sports betting is cool. Fantasy is cool. Gaming is cool. We're just going to be the people that want to do that stuff. And, and I'll just put it out there for those that listen to like, you know, Meta Athletes is a project that, you know, uh, Drew, my, you know, my producer, we've been involved with, you know, since the jump. And I've said it since early on that when your utility is beyond NFTs and Web3, it's harder to get that, you know, initial growth of that blue chip kind of credit. But I firmly believe the projects that the businesses that understand that this is way more than just the NFT flipping or the, the you know, the day to day alpha within this space. It's a much broader conversation around mental health, around high performance around productivity those are the projects that i am excited about the future because they are building and, and as adoption comes in that's where people are going to latch on to i think what you're doing there with knights of the dgen uh is you know without question in that same realm and i'll just say you know i'm proud to proud to hold one now i'm as a girl dad i found one with a pink helmet which i was like uh, i'm in now with uh that one as my as my uh my own entry point there and for all those listening definitely check out what they're doing across you know red beer ventures about around the nft project and excited for a lot of the partner ones that you've that you mentioned as well i'm uh, i'm heavy into uh, a lot of them supporting so for all those listening as always uh until tomorrow my friends make a great day cheers thanks buddy the mint 365 collection 100 day countdown is on we're counting down to november 11th when we'll auction off all 365 nfts as one collection including a custom mosaic of all the art Want to bid on this one-of-a-kind Web3 time capsule? For details, keep listening to NFT 365.